The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got the sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I've got Mitch Krumpetich with me. To quote one Josh Cranwater, hi! (laughs) Oh, shout out, Josh. Hello, Mitch. Shout out, Josh. Hi. Mitch, what are we starting off with today? All right. (laughs) Today... We're going to talk about some news that we have about the NBA return in the bubble, as we're calling it, in Orlando. It kind of reminds me of that Stephen King show, The Dome. It's kind of like that. But anyway, we're going to be doing an update on the the dome or the bubble, whatever you want to call it, in Orlando. No, we have real news. Jokes aside, we have real news about that. And then we're going to talk about what which Suns players who have contracts ending this season – what they have to prove in this short return to basketball, potentially short, hopefully not, but in this return to basketball, what we've seen from them so far this season, what we hope will happen coming next season, and what they have to prove in these eight to however many games that we have left this season. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. Okay, so to start off, quick news update. Number one, and most importantly, the season is now starting July 30th, not July 31st. Whoa. move that up one day. Mark your calendar. Whoa. Big deal. I know, I know. Big news. Woj bomb, yeah. Um, So that's that's one thing. Uh, The next is the coronavirus testing. The league has decided they're going to test uh, players and staff and everyone every other day. This is starting, I believe, June 19th. So pretty soon here, we're going to be doing some testing for coronavirus. And just as a comparison, in the, the English Premier League, they've been doing this for a while now, testing pretty consistently. And I'd say a few days they've had zero positive results. Maybe they have two positives, three positives here and there. But they've done a pretty good job of controlling it when it happens. So I think that bodes well for a league of... The Premier League is probably a little bit smaller than the NBA, but it's the best comparison we have right now. So every other day tests for the NBA. Um, And then the other thing that has been reiterated is in this bubble in Disney World, there's going to be 22 teams total, but they're not all going to be there the entire time. So some teams aren't even going to get past the eight regular season games that we have left in, in this current season. Once those teams lose and don't make the playoffs, they're going to go back home. So let's take the Spurs, for example. When they lose all eight of their regular season games, 
they're going to go home, just like the Lakers. No, the Lakers will make the playoffs. But um, the Spurs, when they lose all eight of their regular season games, will be heading back to San Antonio. So just kind of keep that in mind, that while there will be 22 teams to start, it's not going to stay that way. And then when the playoffs come, when a team loses a playoff series, they will leave the bubble as well. So the bubble will, I guess, pretty quickly diminish in size over the course of, you know, late July, early August to October. So just good things to keep in mind. Right. And things will be moving pretty quickly when we do start those eight games. I think those eight games that everybody in the league will have to play will be done within a little over two weeks is all. Yeah. So that's half the league playing every day. Yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty quick. Right, and they did announce that every team will have a back-to-back. Yeah, okay. So one back-to-back and then a day off in between all the others is yep. how it will be. Yep. So that's going to be pretty action-packed. I'm really interested to see what the broadcast schedule is going to look like because, man... Shout out to everybody who's working from home because I know that I'll be having NBA TV or whatever channel is doing this on all day with basketball rolling. That's going to be sweet. Yeah, I'm interested too, especially because of the time difference. So Orlando is three hours ahead of Phoenix right now since Arizona doesn't change time zones. Um, And we won't change. Yeah, the season will be over by the time everyone else changes. So we'll have a three-hour time difference for all of this. And I'm curious about what time games will start just in general because there's going to be teams from the West Coast who uh, it's going to feel earlier for them than the East Coast teams. So I wonder if maybe the West Coast teams will play games later in the night. That's what I'm hoping for because... I have to work. Right. I want and especially, to, be able to watch these games. And especially for the regional markets. I know we talked a little bit about this last week, but for Fox Sports Arizona, you're they're going to be hoping that those games are at a later time so once people get off work in Arizona, they're able to tune in to Fox Sports Arizona so they can get their good ratings numbers and all that. So, that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, and hopefully we have this information in the coming days. I would think that We'd be getting it pretty soon, but thus far, that's pretty much all we know. We don't have a ton of information on the schedule yet. Right, nothing new. I was, I've been hoping for a couple weeks now that we'd know the schedule, but that still hasn't happened. I think the latest that we heard that may hold a little truth is that every team tries to play the ones who are actually left on their schedule. I saw something about that, but that still doesn't even it out perfectly for everyone. So there will be additions or maybe subtractions. I'm not sure how it all pans out. That's interesting. That actually doesn't bode well for us because... No, it's Murderer's Row trying to get through the end of our year. That's a lot of tough games. When I remember our last game of the regular season was originally scheduled against the Lakers. Right. So... Like, but you no, know, that'll happen. But Lakers may be pumping the brakes, at, especially for the last game, if right. it happens to be the last game. Yeah. Who knows? I hope so. I hope so. We'll see. Yeah. Hopefully we have more information on that. Okay. Now let's hop into it and talk about 
six sons whose contracts are up, and they might be having the most on the table when we get back into these eight games. So I'd say let's talk about the big boys first. We have four bigs and then two point guards who we need to make a decision on this offseason. So we'll go Kaminsky, Saric, Baines, and Czech Diallo. We'll tackle those guys first. And then we'll end things with a little bit about restricted free agent Javon Carter and Elio Kobo and his non-guaranteed contract. But I think the guy that I'd like to start off with first is Frank Kaminsky. Because we saw flashes from Frank this year that were pretty exciting. He put together a few really solid games, but then he struggled in others. But if you look back at the season, he only played with Aiton in two games the entire season. One opening night, and then won the game after Aiton's suspension was up. He played one game and then rolled his ankle and then missed a few more, is what happened. So they played in two games together. And then once Aiton comes back from that, is exactly when Frank Kaminsky goes down with the, the knee injury. So it was unfortunate that we never got to see much of Aiton and Kaminsky. Not saying that may, they're the best pair, but maybe Kaminsky can be the backup center we need behind Aiton. And who knows, maybe the two of them out there together works decently. Right. I, I mean, I think Kaminsky is a good player, especially for his contract. He makes, what, $5 million? Yep. So not a huge cap hit or anything like that. Um I know he puts up numbers pretty similar to Dario Saric, uh, which kind of makes sense. They play similar games. Um, but I, I like what you're saying about, you know, being the backup center to Aiton. We we talked about that even before this season started, or playing alongside Aiton. Um, he's, he's a pretty good three-point shooter. I think he was just really stifled by injury this year. This is why I actually think the Suns should re-sign Kaminsky. The money is not a big deal, especially because of the injury. I mean, the Suns might even be able to pay him less because of the injury. Uh, I don't think there's going to be other teams chomping at the bit. And so if he can come back healthy and even play for one more year for us, I think that would be great. And actually, we have a team option on Kaminsky, so it's just up to us. Oh, Great. Well, simple then. We should take that. Right. And that $5 million is a pretty nice mark to look at for a guy who, you know, can put up double digits for you in a, any given game. That's, that's pretty solid. But something we need to consider this, this year, this offseason, are we going after any targets at power forward? And does this $5 million that Frank's due to make, could that be better spent somewhere else? And... That $5 million just turned into technically more because the salary camp cap is very likely to go down next year. That's true. That's true. So it's still not very much money, but I like, I, I, I see where you're coming from. If we're going to try to sign someone like Christian Wood, I know we've talked about him quite a bit. Or Gallinari. Or Gallinari. Either of those guys. Yeah. Then we probably turn down Frank's option. Yeah. But. Right. Realistically, 
I would love to sign either of those guys or both, <laughs> but I don't really think we will. I hear you there. And Frank, his numbers were a little bit down compared to the previous season, but we know that he's a, he's a solid floor spacer. And that's something we need with the way the NBA is moving. You can put a seven foot guy out there who can bring a guy outside and shoot the three. That's, that's a great asset to have. And I'd personally like to see what happens with Frank and Aiton on the floor. And I hope that's something we get to see in these eight games. Maybe we get a chance. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think these eight games could be very big for Kaminsky's future on the Suns or otherwise. I also don't want to underestimate Frank Kaminsky's spin move. It's It's pretty hard to stop. It's a it's a surprising move. And he's actually when he when he's set and ready to do it, it feels like he can't just pull the spin move out of thin air. It has to be in the right situation, but when he does it, it looks beautiful and it looks nearly unstoppable. Frank's combination of size and agility are really pretty nice. But that's all well and good, but the guy's seven foot and he can't finish at the rim. You know well, what I, I mean? I was joking. I think his spin move is awful. No, I think his spin move is oh, actually kind of nice. I think it's ugly. <laughs> when, when when executed properly, I actually think the spin move is pretty solid. It's just but, oh, Really? Yeah. Are you th- are you thinking of Dario? Because I can no. I can picture some pretty smooth Frank Kaminsky. Spin I mean, moves. I guess it's not that bad, but I mean, when I think of Kaminsky, I don't think of agile. Uh, maybe agile wasn't the right word to use, but for a seven footer, he can kind of get around. Yeah. No, I mean, it's I guess it's not horrible, but. And you know, either way, if you listen to this conversation, Frank's a great guy to meme around about. Yes, he absolutely is. And that I, I actually think that's something that's important. We were just talking about this before. Frank Kaminsky is the Suns representative for the Players Association. I think that says something. Like, he's a pretty well-spoken guy. He's smart. That, that definitely makes an impact on a team. Yeah, and the, the hot guy celebration picked up by the team instantly I, when he joins yeah. the team. Seems like his teammates all like him. I I like Frank. It seems like a he seems like a good guy to keep around. Right. And we know he's working out during all of this too because of the video he put on Twitter, which was hilarious. Yeah. It was great. Right. So, let's let's go over to his counterpart, I suppose, Dario Saric. They played very similar roles in the season. Um very similar stats, very similar shootings slash marks it's it's pretty crazy and they're both very very streaky players they can be hot one night and have a couple bad games and then they won't miss in the next one so frank and dario both remind me of they they seem pretty similar in a lot of ways yeah yeah i think i always have higher expectations for dario than i should Uh, I know he's a pretty decent shooter. And I think every time he pulls it from three, I expect it to go in. 
and he shoots what 34 percent from three yeah fine but it's nothing spectacular so I don't know why I always expect it to go in. Maybe it's just the fact that he and I have a surprising amount in common. <laughs> but, I mean, it, nonetheless, I have high expectations for him for some reason. And if I could just look at him as a streaky shooter who, I mean, I guess he puts in good effort every night. But if I look at him as just a streaky shooter, he's doing a good job. But I think I just have so much higher expectations for him for whatever reason. Right. And I I kind of feel the same way. And I think part of my reason is because I always picture him as a more of a veteran in the league. But the guy's only 26. He's been in the league for a handful of years, four years, right. five years is all. Right. So, I mean, there's there's still more to come from Dario. It seems like he just needs to be in the right position. And as a guy with, I'd say he has a very high basketball IQ. It seems like yeah. he's more often or not in the right place at the right time, making the right pass in the right place for a rebound. It seems like he has all that figured out. But again, like Kaminsky, there's a, there's a flaw. Frank can't finish at the rim. And then Dario is just a wagon out there. He's so yeah. slow, and he, he brings down the whole the pace of the game for the rest of the guys, it seems like. It's just not a great fit. No, and it's it's so tough, too, because we've tried him in different settings, you know? We had him start, and he did. He started out pretty hot, and then he slowed way down, took him out of the starting lineup. He didn't even play for a while. Then he comes back into a bench role, which was worse than him not playing, then they move him back into the starting lineup, and he gets a little bit better, but it's still not great. It's like he can't come off the bench. It just doesn't work. When he starts, he plays, what, between 15 and 18 minutes a game and puts puts in six points or something as of – I don't want to say as of late, but, you know, the last few games that we saw before, every, before the world changed um, – so I don't know. I just I, I like him. I really like Dario. But the more we talk about this, the more I'm just like, I don't think he's a great fit for our team. Right. And it's going to be really interesting to see when these eight games come back. How much is Sarge playing? How much effort is Sarge playing with? Is he looking for a new contract from another team? Is he playing as a team player or is he trying to get it for himself? What's all going on? Because you made a good point. How last year he started, he went to the bench, he got a few healthy DNPs, which was pretty surprising in the middle of the year there. Uh, I don't see him coming back. I think we even tried trading him last year. I think that was in some rumor rumor yeah. mills that we were trying to get rid of him pretty early on in the season even. so. Right. Yeah, and I the, mean. That's no $10 million dollars on a cap hold for him too. I could see us just yeah. just uh, renouncing those rights and trying to find someone else or just hoping that Kaminsky is that guy. Right. Yeah, exactly that. All right. Aaron Baines, a pretty big topic of discussion. We've talked about Kaminsky. He might be able to play backup center, but the guy that we play, saw play a ton of center this year was Aaron Baines. Stepped up big time in the DeAndre Ayton suspension. And... You know, this guy was probably assuming he was going to come in, 
play a backup role for Aiton, play, you know, 18, 20 minutes a night at the most and just be that great backup. But he got forced into so much more, and it really allowed him to blossom during the season. Yeah, Baines played pretty amazingly for most of the season. Uh, the big issue is he's probably going to want more money than we're going to be able to give him. So I think it's going to come down to how much money can other teams give Aaron Baines. Right. It, that's such a giant question mark, too. We have no idea what the salary cap's going to be. There's just so many questions. We, we, we can't even begin to start guessing that yet. Because I was thinking, yeah, maybe Baines is in a position where he can demand more money when he becomes a free agent. That three-point shooting, I don't know if that was a fad. That looked pretty true last year, and it, it was very surprising, but the, the stroke was there for him. It, it was great, and someone's going to want those talents. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, he his three-point potential was unlocked this season. Hmm. And on top of that, he still picked up a lot of rebounds. He finished at the rim really well, like he does offensive rebounds, boxing out being the enforcer type. He took a lot of charges too. So yeah. that's always, uh, we have mixed feelings on that, but you can go back and listen to episode two Oh five or I'm sure something like that. I'm sure to hear us talk about our frustrations with that, but at the end of the day, it probably was helpful. I mean, he's, he's a good player. I think he's probably the best of these free agent bigs that we're talking about. And, yeah, it's just going to come down to this salary cap stuff. And you're, you're talking about the charges, and it makes me think of his style of play. And he, even though, yeah, he may flop for some charges, more often than not, he's a banger down low. Right. And you think of the mosh pits before the game. Baines, you know, he's like, I'm not going to get too involved here. I don't want to hurt anybody. Because right. the, the guy is a force. And you know that those guys that get to watch him practice every day, they're thinking Baines is bringing, he's bringing his everything to practice. I got to do that too. And then that goes down to every single player on the roster. And guys think I got to work like Aaron Baines. Look at this brick house. He's an NBA player. I need to be like that if I want to compete in this league. And so honestly, I'd argue that Aaron Baines had a more positive effect for team culture on the Suns than Kelly Oubre did this year. Ooh. I think I think what Br- Baines brings to the table is the the nitty gritty, and I I like that, and that could be a reason why you keep a guy around like that. That's a bold claim. He it did. Is. I mean, he did bring a very positive culture to the team, no question. The nitty gritty. Oubre definitely b- brings the style. He brings the the flair and all of that, which I love. I mean, I would still say Kelly Oubre is definitely our emotional leader, but the the impact that Baines has is substantial as well. I think uh, Baines is there to uh, make sure that no one messes with the style. Maybe that's the fit. Baines is the enforcer of the yeah. the, the Valley Boys. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's something we got to consider, though. Just uh, the Suns being such a young team outside of, you know, Rubio and Baines. 
we're we're very very young and right. Baines is probably a great presence for us just in that aspect. So He is. Well, and I will say him along with Rubio, along with Ubre, Booker, you got to include in that too. I mean, they and Monty Williams with, goes without saying. Uh, they all contributed to this major culture shift within our team. I mean, it, we all lived through the Eric Bledsoe days and the lack of effort and everything like that. And we just didn't see that last year. Even though our record still wasn't like hugely improved or anything, we went out and competed for all, every second of each game. And I don't think we can say that we did that ever under Earl Watson or Jay Triano or <laughs> Jeff Hornacek or who am I missing? Igor? Um, Igor. Definitely Igor. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, Monty, definitely. But Monty also brought in the guys who have those attitudes that they're going to work hard always. Yep. Yep. And one last thing to say about Baines is just to kind of wrap up. We don't know what's going to happen money wise, but we, we have to consider that Aaron Baines is probably not a starting center in this league, even for a team who's the thinnest at center. We saw him kind of get run down throughout the season playing big minutes. That's that's going to be something that maybe holds back his his contract value. So maybe he won't be getting his paid as much as maybe we thought at one point, and especially with the cap going down, maybe Baines is affordable this year. Maybe. And, I mean, to go right along with that, I don't know that Baines is going to get a better role anywhere else. True. Maybe he loved it here in Phoenix, too. Who yeah, knows? I hope so. Who knows? All right. The last big on our list, Czech Diallo. We didn't get to see tons of him this year, but when we did, more often than not, in my eyes, he was pretty impressive. And this is a guy we have a team option on for $1.8 million. So if we want to bring him back for under $2 million, we absolutely can. And with us making decisions on Kaminsky, Sarich, and Baines. This this is a nice uh, ace in the hole to have. Yeah, Diallo was actually really great this year. He didn't play a ton, but when he did, he made the most of it. He had some super efficient nights. He he was a like a, a pretty like solid scorer for a lot of the times that he played. Good rebounder. He plays much bigger than he actually is. He's six eight, but he plays like he's seven foot. Uh, he was really a nice addition to our team, and I hope we pick up that option. I mean, I think the the thing that will influence that is if we're able to sign a Christian Wood or a Gallinari type and need the money. But otherwise, I mean, bring Diallo back. He had a pretty good season. Right, and he put up better numbers in his years in New Orleans, I'd say. Not by much or anything, but... The lack of minutes held his stats back, so we, we didn't get to see the whole thing. But my view, watching him throughout the year, I feel like his IQ in, in general, basketball IQ, needs to come up quite a bit. You see him get lost on defense every once in a while. Even on offense, sometimes you kind of catch him in the wrong place. But look past that. Look at nights where he goes eight for 10 from the floor or seven for eight. There were, there were those really efficient nights where you, you know, there's something there with this guy. 
the way he can get into the if he catches it with deep post position, I'm going to mark in two points because he's nearly automatic from there, which is crazy for a six foot eight guy. So right. why not why not give him an, a, a shot for less than two million dollars when you know we had seven or eight point guards on our roster this year? Why not throw a six foot eight guy who can you know do a little bit everything except shoot the three maybe. His mid-range shooting is way better than expected, too. Right. Yeah, he has yeah. that soft touch, a lot of arc on his shot. It's uh, I, there, There's things to build on there for sure. And he's still a young guy. He's 23 exactly. or 24. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say as far as IQ goes and everything. I mean, it's not horrible. Uh, he does get lost sometimes, but he's young. He's still really young. So I, I like him, and I really hope we're able to bring him back. Totally. All right. So that sums up the big guys. You know, maybe we bring back one or two of these guys. I don't know if we see three, especially not all four of them, though. Yeah, no way all four. I mean, I think two is realistic. I would say if any, we're going to see Baines and one of Kaminsky or Diallo. I think that's that's probably a fair bet to make. And I think... We were talking about guys who have the most to prove. This might be a situation where Czech Diallo gets pretty big minutes. Maybe we don't yeah. want to play Frank a ton. We don't want to take any chances with that knee. Uh, Sarich very well might be on his way out. Maybe we don't even need to see anymore. Baines had a long season, a FIBA in the off season. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The guy's a house. I'm sure he's still in great shape, but is he in basketball shape? Is you, you know, I, I could see Diallo getting plenty of run here, and maybe he he just balls out and earns that 1.8 million dollars, no problem. Right. Well, and once training camps start up, it'll be interesting to see what clips we get to see and all of that. I'm oh, excited for that. Oh, to start. I'm excited for that. We oh. only have a couple weeks until that starts. Yeah, training camps are coming. That's We're great. getting back. We are getting back. Woo. Okay. We have a couple point guards to talk about now. And Javon Carter is a restricted free agent, so we can make a qualifying offer on him and then the ability to match any contract he gets elsewhere. And then Elio Kobo, we have on a non-guaranteed contract, which had to be decided by July 10th originally for the for next year. But that's obviously going to change because we'll still be playing bat. Well, we won't even be playing basketball by then. So no, that will be a different date. So we'll get to see Okobo play in these eight games before we make that decision. I'm sure. So let's start with Javon, obviously a great defender. Do you see him, you know, being better than Ty Jerome again next year and deserving backup point guard minutes for these sons? Yeah. I mean, Ty Jerome didn't do anything impressive this year. He struggled quite a bit. Um, Carter, good defender. He can be a bit streaky on offense. And he plays a little bit of that Mike James hero ball at times. But luckily we have a competent coach in this situation who can say, like, you're not going to do that. Monty so, did put an end to that. He did. It, yeah. it was visible. Yeah. So I think... We'll probably bring Carter back. 
I mean, I don't know who else would want to sign him aside from Memphis, who he already played for and didn't go back to. So yeah, and they I mean, have Melton, who was playing pretty darn nice basketball towards yeah, the end. Of yeah, the he was. So I mean. I don't really see Carter going anywhere else. And at this point, you know, before the draft and before we have more information on what the league is going to look like for the coming years, I think Carter's our best bet. Right. And it's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, Heading in, we have Rubio. We have a decision to make on Carter. We have a decision to make on Okobo. And then we have Ty Jerome. And we have Jalen LeCue. That's still a ton of point guards. So, honestly, and we might even end up drafting a point guard. Depending we probably on should. <laughs> Wouldn't be yeah. a bad idea. So, that's still a ton of guys, and I think that could very well just... It, it might be worth taking the chance just to cut our ties with both Javon and Ellie and then see what happens next year. Yeah, I mean, if there's a college point guard that we are are just, like, in love with, then yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be upset by cutting ties with Javon and Ellie. Give Ty Jerome one more chance, or maybe more than one. Give him another chance. But, I mean, yeah, Ellie... Ellie's shown us what he is, I think. Uh, He's he's young still. He's going to grow and develop, no question. But I just... He's not that good, unfortunately. Right, and I, I think there there is still some potential for Ellie to improve. I think he needs to become more of a point guard. He's more of just a scorer right now, and there's there's a lot for him to do. But both these point guards, I, I just don't know if they're worth keeping around at this point. Save a, a few million bucks heading into free agency. I, I think that might be the route to go. Maybe put yeah. put your faith in Ty Jerome and say, hey, Ty, we want you to be our backup point guard next year. Prove it. Like, prove, us, prove it to us that we're making the right decision. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I think for the sake of the bench unit defensively, we should keep, Jer- or we should keep um, Carter around. Our bench struggled offensively and defensively. Yeah. And Carter was the bright spot when it came to bench defense. So without right. him, it's it's nothing, basically. And a pretty nice offensive output from Carter every once in a while. The three-pointer right. was working at times, and he, he can be a solid point guard. I don't want to discount it by any means, but there's just too many guys that we have on the roster, and how long can you leave Jalen LeCue down in the G League if you're going to be paying him? Uh, like a real NBA contract. I don't know. It's it's pretty crazy. But Javon Carter, I'd say, is in a position similar to Diallo, where he may get a ton of run during these games and, you know, another big chance to prove himself. Maybe he he makes us want to match anything that anyone throws at him. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. But we'll see. Please. Yep, and with that, we will move to the non-sports section of the show. Uh, before though, go ahead and tweet at us at Sunny and PHX Pod. Let us know who you hope the Suns keep around. But we will now move to the non-sports section of the show. And I was inspired by something I did today. So the question is, what is the most recent life hack that you have either discovered or have been doing lately? All right, something I've fallen into. 
is taking a shower at night. And some may think it's not the most practical thing to do, but since my wife put me on to dry shampoo, it's been a real game changer because you can kind of fix your hair up in the morning and not have crazy bedhead. But I'm a guy with short hair. You're probably a hurting unit if you do that, right, Mitch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have to shower in the morning because if I don't, my hair is like an explosion on my head. You'd probably have to throw a whole bottle of that dry shampoo into to tame it. <laughs> it's, it can be rough. Um, I actually, I was looking through a few pictures on my phone the other day, trying to find something, and I stumbled upon a picture I had taken of myself back when my hair was like at its longest, and I had just woken up, and my hair was so ridiculous that I had to take a picture, and it almost looked like I had dreads, like it was so (laughs) poofed out. It looked like I had like a perm that like my mom and aunts would have had like in the 80s. It was... It was pretty rough. So, yeah, I have to shower. I mean, I've never tried the dry shampoo thing. But I have another reasoning behind this. It's hot in Phoenix. There are days when I wake up and I'm like, I need to start today with a shower. That's fair. I'd say that's most days. I love the feeling of, like, first getting out of the shower. For for a lot of people, like, showers are calming, which it can be that way. But for me, it's like a energizing kind of thing it's like okay now i'm clean i'm like ready to go for the day hmm see i i see where you're coming from and i would never stop myself from showering again in the morning if i felt the need oh interesting so i want to put that out there i i would not be opposed to that but i love going to bed clean and especially if there's clean sheets yeah you gotta be you gotta be freshly showered that's, getting into clean that's sheets. true. That is nice. And I love that. Going into bed, you know, you put the old, the your favorite pair of boxers on, and it's just money, dude. You get into yeah. bed and you feel like a million bucks. And if yeah. you got, if you did anything outside and you're feeling a little grungy, I just don't feel the same. So I really appreciate going to bed just feeling like a million bucks. Yeah, and you know what? That's actually true. This is something that I like to do in the summer. At night, you know, when it's it's been a long day, and may, maybe I've been in the office all day. Like, I haven't been too sweaty, but, like, it's just 107 degrees out, and I've got a window, you know? Yeah, it happens. I'll come home, and before bed, I'll shower. Not, like, freezing cold, but, like, a little bit colder. And I won't necessarily, like do anything too extravagant i'll just kind of like wet my hair and maybe a little bit of soap but maybe not maybe i just kind of like rinse off and then i go to like uh what you're supposed to do before you get in a pool like a little rinse off yeah that type of thing there's nothing wrong with that either and yeah cool Mm. yeah it's nice i know we're getting there too we're recording this uh, late Sunday night, and I really want to go jump in my pool now. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, the pools have been great lately. You could do it. You could do hey, it. This is non sports uh, plugs. So, yeah, anything. Why, goes. why not? We're, we're talking about anything. Yeah, but to continue talking about anything, you mentioned this in yours. 
my latest life hack, and this is something that I am, I guess, currently doing or am about to go do. When I wash my sheets, which I, I'm a consistent sheet washer. I think it's important. I love the feeling of clean sheets. Right before I put my sheets on, I'll turn the dryer on for like five more minutes. And then I'll throw those sheets on right before I go to bed. Oh, it's nice. Even in the summer, which I know is weird, but when you're running that AC, it can get cold at night. So having warm, fresh sheets, oh yeah. Now I'm opposite end because I love like it when my my pillow feels cool or you flip it over to the cooler side. I just love that feeling. Mm-hmm. What if you were to put sheets in the freezer? Ooh, people do that. Yeah. I remember one of my cousins used to put her pillowcase and maybe even the whole Ooh. pillow in the freezer before bed sometimes. Why not? Yeah. I remember reading something that Back in the day before air conditioning, people would wet their sheet. They'd get their sheet wet and then put it over them. And then by the time it dried out, it was like too hot to sleep anyway. So you'd wake up Mm -hmm. or something along those lines. That sounds terrible. I love love my air conditioner. Yeah. Story time here. When I lived in Iowa, you've heard this story, but it's been a while. When I lived in Iowa for a spell for one year it was a dark time but um when i lived there because they don't have electricity in (laughs) no no they had electricity but i didn't have air conditioning i i eventually went out and bought my own unit but when i first moved there it hadn't been too hot or humid yet like it was reasonable i went probably a month without it and i was like oh this is no big deal coming from spokane we never had air conditioning because you needed it for like one week. So you just put up with it. But in Iowa, you have to have it. So I was like, I'll just put up with this. No, I couldn't. I eventually broke down and bought like a window AC unit, but whatever. Um, I did this thing though in the interim where I would get those big 64 ounce Gatorade bottles. I'd fill them with water and I'd throw them in the freezer for the whole day. And then I'd get like three or four of them And I'd put them in pillowcases and just like surround my body with them. And I'd wake up and like it would be wet, but it was the only way I could sleep because it was so hot. That's funny. And that that makes me think of something. When we moved into our house here, the guy left in our freezer. He had like 15 random bottles just filled with water and frozen to ice. And I was like, what in the world is this guy doing with those? And now that you say that about the bed, maybe he was doing that. But I, we have a little like built-in hot tub next to the pool. I kind of think he was using them as ice cubes and like maybe cooling down just the tiny little hot tub section enough. Uh, I think that's where he was going with that. I've always been curious. That's interesting. I mean, I, I do that still just for drinking water. Sure. I'll fill one of those bottles up with drinking water, put it in the freezer. And when you take it out, if you're doing anything outside, you have to take a frozen water bottle out. And then it's great because it stays cool longer. You can put it on your forehead. It's nice. It is nice. And this is where we end our non-sports plug because it's come to this. We thank (laughs) you all for tuning in. Check us out on social media at Sunny and PHX pod, Twitter and Instagram. 
be sure to let us know which free agents you'd like to see the Suns keep around. And, you know, just say hey. We'll say hi back. But, again, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again next week, and go Suns. Take advice Someday you'll pay the price I